Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hello, I'm Dan from a Twitter account, Baggies Facts. You can uh, find some of my ramblings on the Crystal Palace fan site, um, The Eagles Beat, where I write about the Premier League and uh, the hot topic of the weekend's. Hi, I'm Gitto. I am a part of the Jackcast, the Swansea City podcast. You can find us on Twitter at the Jackcast. Hi, I'm Mark. I'm going to be representing Liverpool uh, Football Club tonight. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Mark Simpson. Yep, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. I know we're coming off an international break, but what's been happening over at the Albion, Dan? Not not a great deal, to be honest. To, you know, if if I'm honest with you, you know, I just feel I'm get, I feel like I'm a bit more detached from the club than I, I usually am. Mm. I just feel no, I, I you know, it, it might well be the fact that I'm not around for the home game against Arsenal on Saturday, but um, I'm just not quite as excited about football this season um, when it comes to the baggies, anyway. Um, I'm baggies through and through. I'm, I'll always be Albion, and you know, there's there's no question the fact that I, as long as I'm around and I can get to games, I'll I'll always be going. But I just just doesn't quite feel the same. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Do if you think it's, that's partially due to the management, or um, I didn't ever think that it would ever matter who was in charge. I'd always just go in and support the club, and it wouldn't matter. But you know. I, I think the fear is that not just... I mean, personally, I'm I'm happy for Pulis to do his thing this season and keep us in the Premier League. Going forward after this season, if we continue playing how we have done in the majority of fixtures, then maybe I would start questioning that. I think my, my issue at the minute is the fact that a lot of Baggies fans do feel that Pulis isn't going to take us anywhere and now they want change a lot more immediately um, and it's just dragging the whole club down I just feel like games it just turns into a big debate about Pulis you want to you know you want to talk about players on on you know on chat rooms and stuff about the football and, and every, it always just comes back to are you Pulis in are you Pulis out you know is it is is football more important or is winning games more important? These two questions just go round and round. And, you know, I, I'm sure that there'd be Stoke fans that could, you know, empathise with me. Um, maybe not so much Palace because of the short amount of time he was there. I mean, if you look at the situation he had with Palace, Tony Pulis, it was ideal. He kept him in the Premier League and then left. 
Um, and it's you know it's it's well done, Tony Pulis, and and he he did really well to keep us in the Premier League last season. There's no doubt in it. The guy knows his stuff. Um, but the issue is, and I'm not asking the question. It just appears that Baggy's fans all over the shop are, are you know quite adamant that. Pulis, I'd say it's 70-80% now that Pulis isn't the man to mm. take us forward and it's just, I just feel the whole the whole club I just feel he's being brought down by it um, and uh, you know, I just don't see any big solution because Pulis isn't, isn't going to be leaving anytime soon, I don't feel. The only, the only way the relationship being at the club would come to an end would be if they had a bit of a falling out, which Pulis has got previous for, and our chairman's got previous for. So um, you say David Moyes, but that'd be like, you know, it'd be like swapping something you don't like for something you don't like. <laughs> Killing the analogy again. Yeah, I, I just, I don't think that Moyes would be the answer for many clubs in the Premier League, to be honest. Um, yeah, I just, I don't think he's, he's a bit over-hyped and comes from the same score of thought as Pulis maybe a bit less slightly less defensive you know tiny bit but you know um, so yeah that's, that's there's my little rant about the club <laughs> and the current situation but um, Arsenal this weekend on the back of a defeat at Old Trafford tough fixtures coming up for the baggies um, and we do need to get some points on the board because from what was looking like a fairly healthy position in mid-table, um, we'll soon start getting dragged back into it um, if we don't pick up three points here and there or at least uh, pick up the odd point. Um, Arsenal, I feel, are going to have too much for us. For us, We tend to never get anything against Arsenal, uh, especially at the Hawthorns. We actually picked up a couple of results at, at um, Highbury, um, rather the Emirates. Um you know, I just can't see us. We haven't beat. We haven't got any points from them in. Uh, well, we haven't got a win out of them in our last ten games in the league and cup. So I don't think it's going to change on on Saturday. But you know, hopefully we can grab something and yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, <laughs> God, I sound depressed, and I may yeah a little bit. What do I ever not sound depressed? Ah. Well, we'll, We'll move on to talk about Swansea and Liverpool. <laughs> they've, they've got much better things to talk about. Go on. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, on Dan's advice, uh, we will now talk to Gitto a little bit about Swansea. What's the news out of Swansea this week? Obviously, we know there's some up-in-the-air stuff going on around Gary Monk, but uh, is anything else going on at the moment? Yeah, I was about to say, I, I'd love it if my club was as boring as the baggies right now. I'd absolutely <laughs> love it. It's... It's horrible. The last two weeks, it, it's actually not been as bad as I thought it was. I thought after the Norwich game that everything was going to implode, um, that f- you know fans would be committing suicide and stuff like that. It's not been quite as hysterical as I expected. Um, I, we've, we've had a worse reaction for the news that we're going to have those horrendous cardboard clappers um, in every seat for um, Saturday's game, which has caused uproar and uh, civil war within the club. Uh, but on the pitch, things aren't great. Um, the Norwich game was awful. Uh, we didn't actually get a single shot on target. Norwich got their tactics spot on. They got everybody behind the ball. And then with about half an hour to go, they brought Mbukani on, who changed the game, um, gave them a target up front. We conceded a very sloppy goal uh, and never looked like equalising. And 
Um, we've had two weeks now to think about how terrible it was, and um, everybody's having their suggestions. Uh, most people are still very much monking. Um, people, um, yeah, I'd say about 90% of fans at the moment are backing Monk, um, but that could change if um, if results don't go don't improve soon, and especially on Saturday because we're playing against Bournemouth. Um, who I think have been pretty awful in recent games. I know some people have said that they were unlucky against Newcastle. They played some good football, but in truth, they were playing against an absolutely diabolical Newcastle team um, who had one opportunity all game, and they scored from it because Bournemouth cannot defend to save them like their lives, and they have two goalkeepers to choose from, both of which barely scratch championship standard. Um, and at the other end, then, they've lost so many attacking players that they're struggling to create anything. So basically it's a, it's a competition between two of the most down and so this, the two of the, well, I don't, I I don't want to call crisis clubs, but um, probably two of the most um, out of sorts um, football teams in the league. Yeah. I don't think Bournemouth are in crisis so much as accepting their fate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Both Bournemouth should accept their fate. They're going down. (laughs) I I don't mean to be too harsh on Bournemouth, but you can't lose your four best players as a team that just came up. You just can't. No, they, and they yeah. did, they didn't strengthen enough in defence, um, and they bought terribly in the goalkeeping department. Um, so I think a combination of poor recruitment. Really? Arthur Borch doesn't do it for you. Not particularly, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- I think combination of um, poor recruitment and obviously horrendous luck with injuries um, means that, that it's looking tough for them at the moment. Um, you know, we we've still got a little gap between ourselves and the relegation zone. And while we've got that, I'm not going to get too panicky, but things need to improve. Um, like I've been saying all along, our home performances haven't actually been bad. Um, we played we played well for most of the game against Arsenal. In fact, we, we were the better team for one half of that match, but didn't take our chances, which is another problem, uh, one of many that we've got at the moment. Um, we played poorly against Stoke and lost 1-0. But apart from that, at home, we've been pretty good. Uh, we've had tough opposition for the most part. This is actually the first, apart from Newcastle, this is the first sort of relegation candidate that we've had down the Liberty. So the pressure is definitely on players, management, fans, everybody ahead of Saturday. It is a big game. There's no getting away from it. Yeah, and I know we, we've talked about uh, Sigurdsson a lot. going to shift gears a little bit. Bafatimigo Mies looks like he... Uh, is at least performing like an actual striker uh, in the past two, having struggled since his early start. Is there any chance he gets dropped for Adair anytime soon? Because there were some matches there where he just looked awful. I I I drop him. Um, I thought I thought he looked very good for one half against Arsenal. Yeah, and uh, not... just a very dumb decision on his part. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah for, for the most that, of it. That showed the way he's playing at the moment. But against Norwich again, he he looked scared of the ball, didn't really want it. And then we were tr- we've always been at our best um, over the last few years when we sort of use the striker as a focal point for our attacks in the sense that we get the ball to him, he holds it up, and then brings the rest of the team into play. Uh, we did it with Michu, we did it with um, uh, Borny, and to a lesser degree, we did it with Danny Graham when we when we started. And Gomez, we did it with Gomez last season, second half of last season as well when he was playing well. This this season for the last few uh, for the last nine or ten games, we haven't been able to do that because he just doesn't want the ball, can't hold it up. He's looking very weak, 
lacking confidence. Um, I would bring Ed in, but all signs point to the fact that Monk has no confidence in him. Um, he hasn't started a single match. I don't know if he's played more than 20 minutes in any of the matches that he's played, and he is our only other striking option. It comes back to what I was saying very early on in this season, that we, we should have got um, a third striker. It, I, I don't understand how a Premier League club can think it can go into a 38-match season with just two strikers to it choose from. It makes you feeling better. We did it with one. Well, yeah, it's, it's, well, yeah <laughs> it is the kind of thing the Spurs did. you know. It's, it's, and it's the kind of thing that we've done for years, but, but, but we've so got away with it because Boney was always in form, Graham was scoring, Michu was scoring. We've always had a player that's in form, but we've always been gambling because when you when your main striker then do, does lose form in the way that Gomes has and you have nothing but mediocrity to choose from then instead of him, um, you, you, you really are weakening your team massively. And that looks like a massive error now. Um, not not pick just getting someone else in as another striking option. Even if they didn't have to be, you know, particularly amazing. They didn't have to be a Charlie Austin even who who could score ten goals a season. But Although somebody, it should have been. <laughs> it, well, yeah, we, we we should have been in the mix for him along with every other team in you know in the Premier League. But you know, he he didn't even it didn't even need to be as good as Charlie Austin. We just needed another option who would give us something different up front. We haven't got it, and oh, it's it's had a massive impact on the team. All right, and Mark, man, we you know a lot of people dealing with issues. Obviously, Liverpool fans leaving early if, after the last match. Klopp being frustrated with fans as well. Uh, any good news coming out of Liverpool to lift us from kind of the sadness that's occurred thus far? Well, I'm quite a happy Liverpool fan. I was there at the the Palace game, and um, it was really interesting to me that he came out afterwards and he, he mentioned about the fans leaving because it, it has been a bit of a bugbear for a lot of Liverpool fans now for a while about the lack of our so-called famous atmosphere. But um, it'll be really, it'll be, it would have been even more interesting if this next game coming up at the weekend was a home game. I think, that I think people would have paid a little bit more attention and, uh, to the sort of 80th minute mark, especially if, if we were sort of drawing or losing to see if anybody's trying to get off early. Because I think now it does put everybody, it's all the fans that go to the game, in a in a bit of a tricky situation if they are sort of looking to head out uh would more people have a word of them you know and just sort of start saying stuff it'd be it will be interesting to see uh moving forward but um but yeah i, I mean last game against palace I, I i was relatively happy obviously the result wasn't what we wanted it'd been it'd been amazing to have a win to get to that sort of 20 point mark uh, with only 12 games in uh, but oh well, you know Palace are a good team, and, and they they definitely made up for the fact that they had a good week's rest where we were you know we were in Russia literally forty hours earlier. Um, I I am um, I do think that with Klopp as our manager and with this Liverpool team as it is, we are going to be a team that's more of a threat on the road. So uh, away from home, I think you will see um, definitely more of, of a Klopp Liverpool, um, and I'm really looking forward to this weekend going to Man City and. And seeing what they can do. A bit of good news for us this week is that we are sort of slowly but surely starting to get our injured bodies back. Uh, Henderson is now in training. Sturridge is now in training. This weekend looks like it may be a little bit too soon for them, but definitely going into the, the games moving forward, we should start to get them back in the team. And this Liverpool team is really missing a Jordan Henderson and a Danny Sturridge right now. If uh, 
if we can get them in and get them integrated in and, uh, and, and get them firing and, and more importantly keeping Daniel Sturridge fully fit then anything's possible this season uh, the top four I think when we last spoke Kev I thought I was saying that the top four is up for grabs right now anybody can take it because Chelsea would have to break records just to get anywhere higher than seventh in their current position um, so Tottenham uh, Liverpool, in, in particular, but these two teams should be looking at the top four as, as, a, as, a, as a as a real gain to push on this season. And if we can go to Man City and get a result, whether it's a draw or you know, heaven forbid, a win, then it'll just sort of make people forget about the Palace result and just sort of uh, crack on now with, um, with with the next couple of weeks coming up until the Christmas. Yeah, and you do avoid after the City match most of the big boys uh, heading into the new calendar year. Uh, yeah. So, so I'm sure you'll up be until February to make it brown we've there. got. Yeah, so up until February we've got you know favorable fixtures and he said uh, insulting two guests right now, but you know <laughs> <you're fine. laughs> favorable. That's why I said favorable. But I mean, it's a good time to face. If any team in the league can get a run of fixtures where they're avoiding the big guns and then get a bit of momentum going into the games where you're yeah. meeting the big teams, and it can make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was just going to say, I think Leicester, it's going to be really interesting to see. Leicester, I think they've got quite a, a decent fixture this week. But after that, for the next run, they've got some pretty tough fixtures coming up. And it will be interesting to see if that logic applies to them because, you know, their sort of trajectory, you know, just from every other season that's gone by, they will start to sort of slow down. You like know, they, they will start did to last escape. year as well, South yeah. Yeah. yeah, but but if if they have taken, I mean, they they had a, they never know when they are beat, and it and it all it all stems from their forward in 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 Vardy. He never lets anybody rest on the ball, and and if they can sort of apply that logic and they can keep going and keep going, it'll be really interesting to see uh, over the next couple of weeks how they do how they do get on. Um, and there's a lot of fancy football managers will be looking to see how they get on as well. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, I, I, but I do think they makes an excellent point, and it's it is an excellent segue to talk about Tottenham. Obviously, still haven't. Sorry, lost. Kev. Be, yeah. Before you before you mention Tottenham, I just want to say mm-hmm. more for our international fans as well. Yeah. If you're listening from a, um from from the US or even further afield, that you, the clubs come to Liverpool, I think, with this assumption, having not seen firsthand what the Premier League is like, with mm-hmm. this some assumption that. The Premier League is like the greatest footballing stage, and that you know the crowds are buoyant for ninety minutes. And I think I think he's come, you know, he's hit, he's hit her, sorry, hit down, come back down to earth a bit, and realise that you know Anfield on a, on a European night can be a superb footballing arena, but you know two one down to Crystal Palace or whatever the score was. It is, it is dull and drab and no one wants to stay in their seat and people want to go early and it's the same in 20 Premier League football grounds. Every single football ground in the Premier League is the same. Football fans just aren't as into it, I think, in the Premier League as people think they are. And I think that, um, you know, I, I just feel that we need to start backing our teams a bit more and hmm. start giving them a bit more support, unconditionally supporting your team because... Otherwise, what's the point? Well, we might- not not to go way off on this because we did last year as well. But what we discussed was that the difference came when, with ticket prices and everything, we became customers instead of supporters. And that is that's a two way street coming from the club, and then us also going back to the clubs. Um, 
And so that's it is a whole. It is, yeah. it's, you spend the whole. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a whole podcast in itself. But one yeah, thing no. I will quickly say is, it just goes to show how good the marketing guys are at the Premier League. Yeah, right. When every single foreign player who comes over to this league. It thinks it's they're going to be, you know, it's the best league in the world. And decent players like your David Silvers and your Phil Coutinho's, whoever they may be, they figure out after a couple of weeks that, hang on a second, these are just grocks I'm playing against. I can literally <laughs> do what I need to do, the basics. And, 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 I'll, and I'll literally, they, they figure us out easily. And, mm. you know, Jurgen Klopp has come over here and he, he has fallen in love with his club um, a year ago when Dortmund came to Liverpool in a pre-season friendly. He, he you know, he, he, uh, he I don't know if, Non-Liverpool fans nervous, but he he was stood there on the halfway line and the, the warm-up. He was watching the crowd and the cop and everything that he's been taught back in the day and him growing up uh, in in Germany about the cop. And he fell in love with the club that day when the, when the bus was leaving. He was actually in the museum looking at all the trophies and and all the bits and bobs. So it's been a long it's been a, a long-term thing in the making with with Klopp and Liverpool. And he will I think by now he's six weeks in. He will figure he, he will know a lot about this league and he will know a lot about the atmosphere. But I think that. He he doesn't he doesn't want to be the same. He doesn't want to he doesn't want to be the normal guy. He 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 wants to be different. And I think by saying that to the media about the Liverpool fans, it now will make every single Liverpool fan think a little bit different. He they they now feel like he's watching, you know. And it will be very interesting the next league game at, at home. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just say just one one more thing before we move on to Tottenham because Tottenham are important, of course, Kev. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> But you don't get to the pictures or the cinema, as people call it nowadays, uh, to watch a film and walk out 10 minutes before the good bit started at the end. Mm. It is ridiculous. It's just a if waste of money. If you're 2-1 down and you've paid 50 quid to watch a football match and there's 10 minutes to go, and you, you could still win that game 5-2. Why aren't oh, I, I absolutely agree. I've it, never, I, ever left a football game, yeah, a game early, and I don't understand why it isn't. And the most annoying thing that came out of that uh, the sort of comments and feedbacks after it. It, it again, it became a local uh, versus a day tripper sort of argument, and everybody was blaming each other. The locals saying, "Oh, it was the the, the foreigners coming over because they wanted to get it. they got off early," and the foreigners were saying, "Well," and the day trippers were saying, "No, it's the locals wanting to get off early." It's ridiculous. It it it. it, it, it I, I, I don't know what it is. Do it's a mentality or, or what? Or, I mean, I definitely notice it more and more. Not just as as my club, but all the top clubs, and like like you were saying there, just all the clubs that people, the atmosphere isn't as good as what everybody makes it out to be. Um, how do you change it? And and there's and there's so many ways how you could improve it, but it, it won't happen. So by Jurgen Klopp doing that, he is literally laying down the gauntlet to the fans to say, listen, don't leave it. These supporters to the ninth minute. Our team, my team, will work from the first to the ninetieth minute, a hundred miles an hour, give a hundred percent. And I'm going to install it into these players. And if these players don't, then they're going to go out and we're going to get new players in. And he's sort of saying to the fans, you give us the 90 minutes. You give us your full 90 minutes. And I think with anybody that can, it's, it's, it's this guy. And I think he just installs that sort of that sort of belief in, in, in the supporters. So me personally, but maybe some Liverpool fans were a bit down within the last week. I, I went to that game. Just, just, I just love seeing him in, in action and just think it's, just, it's, it's a massive opportunity now to, to crack on and, and get this top four that's just sort of dying to be taken by, by sort of Spurs or Liverpool. Mm. Yeah, and I hope it's Tottenham, uh, <laughs> surprisingly. I will, one <laughs> last thought on Klopp. I'm just really glad that you got him before Wenger retires because I would have really hated that. Uh, yeah. So nicely done on your part. Uh, what I was saying earlier to Dan's point about gathering momentum heading into your big matches. 
Uh, Tottenham have done exactly that. Haven't lost since the opening week of the season. Now, just having drawn with Arsenal, now facing West Ham and Chelsea in two consecutive London derbies. And I think the performance against Arsenal was largely impacted by the confidence that we had we had amassed over this whole long run. And does it feel like we haven't lost since the uh, first match week? Uh, no, because we've had a couple really disappointing results in Europa League. Uh, but in the Premier League, I think that it has continued to kind of go as the old cliche goes from strength to strength. Uh, hopefully we can do very well against West Ham this week, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, for us this week, we talked a little beforehand about the hype around Della Ali, and I was saying that we all need to rein it in a little bit, but before we rein it in, let's all realize how ridiculous he's been. Got to start alongside Eric Dyer uh, for England. They both got their full international starts against France, uh, and very fun stat, they cost $9 million total, which is a great bit of business from Tottenham. And he, he won man of the match, having given Pogba a tough time all day. Scored a screamer past Hugo, uh, who was not at fault for that goal at all. Uh, I'm not sure you could say the same about the Rooney one. But uh, for those who didn't listen to yesterday's fantasy show, Della Ali is 19 years old, was playing in League One last year, and it has now won three man of the match uh, awards in three straight matches in three different competitions. And the last two were his first ever start in the North London Derby, which was at the Emirates, by the way, and his first England start at Wembley. So he's okay. He's pretty good. Do I think that we all need to calm down a little bit in so much as uh, every England prospect ever, where, look, he's amazing, he's the best player of all time, and then a year later they're awful and a one-season wonder and could barely know what to do with the football if it was laid in front of them? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think that that's very likely to be what happens, so I think we all need to kind of take a step back off the hype train. Is he a very young, talented player? Yes. Uh, but if he picks up a knock or a bad run of form, there's Ryan Mason waiting to get into the side, and Nabil Bentaleb is waiting to get into the side. So uh, I, I do think it's premature. He's 19, which is why it's so impressive what he's done thus far, but it's also going to be the reason why when he struggles a little bit, it's not because he's crap. It's because he's so young and a little inconsistent, as many players are at that age. Um, Christian Eriksen and Denmark failed to qualify for Euro 2016, which was a bit of a bummer. Uh, a lot of people throwing around their theories on what was going on. For my taste, I think that the Danish team around him just isn't quite good enough. Bentner had several opportunities handed to him by Eriksen that he just couldn't convert, that you would imagine if Harry Kane had been there, for instance. <laughs> he would have tucked away. Uh, and, and I actually uh, discussed this with Gitto on Twitter, uh, the whole Ericsson debate on whether or not Ericsson should have done more in that match. And I think the big error that a lot of people make is assuming that Ericsson should be taking a match by the scruff of the neck. And I say that because he doesn't. I don't know if he's incapable of doing so or just doesn't want to, but he does not dictate play at all. It's why when Tottenham are playing better, he shines as this amazing, brilliant talent. And when we're struggling or moving a little more slowly, he seems less impactful. Is because he 
doesn't have the ability or willingness to take a match under control. And some people have cited, well, look at all the late goals he's scored, look at all the set-piece goals, but that's really not the things that set the tone of the match. We're talking about actual movement throughout the midfield, the incisive passes that always seem to come when we're already performing well. And that's nothing. it's not a slight against Erickson at all. He is a tremendous player, but I think that a lot of people have been holding on to this theory that he would one day be a world beater and he'd be in that elite tier of footballers that's sought after by all the biggest clubs in the world. And I just don't think that's where he's going to end up. And I think it's largely due to mentality. I think he is a little too humble for his own good. Who thought they'd be able to say that about a footballer? Uh, and he's, he's too passive, both in play and personality, I think, to reach those lofty heights of football. Is he still a tremendous player? Yes. Is he incredibly talented? Of course. Uh, but I think that that is one of the reasons why a lot of people have either been confused or blamed him for what's been happening both for Denmark and the second half of last season when things weren't going as well for Tottenham. Um, aside from that, the NFL is super hyped about the partnership with Tottenham and the new stadium that Tottenham are working on will host NFL matches in England and a long-term view is that they'd host a London-based team whether no. or not that will actually happen. Bad, 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 bad idea. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it'll happen. The, a lot of people saying, well, it would never happen because of the schedule. The schedule's already been proposed for this alleged club, which would be eight home games followed by eight away games, and then the next year it would reverse, which is a horrible idea. Uh, the best fan-proposed theory, which is much better, is if they're going to add a 19th game, there would be two bye weeks, so you do it in chunks of four. And then travel on your bye weeks. It's still not great. I don't see it happening. We're still trying to put a team in L.A. And L.A. don't even want one. I, I just think it's a whole mess. But the NFL is very excited about it. And I do think it would be really cool for NFL matches to happen down at the new version of White Hart Lane. Or Naming Rights Stadium. Or whatever it ends up being called. Uh, and in other international news, Hyungman's son and Nabil Bentaleb both played for their countries. Having only just recently returned from injury. Uh, both seem to have uh, escaped unharmed, although a lot of people freaked out about Bentaleb and people were, oh, this is an x-ray of Bentaleb's foot, like 10 minutes after the match, like that's how things work. Um, and it turns out he was just subbed out because he got a yellow card. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. All right, and now we are going to head into the topic, which is kind of related to all the international news that we've discussed thus far, which is we know the 24 teams that will now be taking part in Euro 2016. Uh, 
Just trying to get a quick early guess from you guys. What team do you think is the favorite? Which teams do you want to avoid in group play? And what are your chances uh, in the tournament? Our chances, England, boys. Del Ali wins the title, obviously. Are absolutely zero. Because every, <laughs> every single major tournament, all the press get really excited and... We have a young crop of players and, you know, they're going to be the next big thing and, you you know, we're going to surprise everyone in the tournament and hype it all up and get really excited and then we get knocked out of the quarterfinals and, and then everybody gets really upset because everybody thought we were really good when actually we were never very good in the first place. We were just okay. And, you know, I, I think Hodgson's done a cracking job with the team. I don't think many other managers would have done a better job than Hodgson's done, unless you're looking at the elite, elite managers. And, you know, we've we've qualified very easily, um, but we're just not up to scratch when it comes to competing with Spain, Germany, even Belgium, even maybe Italy. You know, we, we're just not, we're just not quite that good. You know, when you look at... When you look at their squad players and then you look at England squad players, it's just like, you know, it's like chalk and cheese, you know, completely different entities, different levels of class. And England are taking players from all throughout the Premier League, whereas Spain's players are all playing for top elite clubs and are all very good and playing week in, week out. You know, we're picking players that barely get games to their club sides half the time. Is the state of English football while you mentioned players getting in that maybe shouldn't have if you don't mind I'm going to take a second to talk to people about Ryan Mason uh, was it crazy that he was picked up from a talent standpoint and a playing time standpoint yes but for some reason nobody was talking about the fact that England were training at Tottenham's training complex and Ryan Mason was literally a field away and so the easiest thing to do, not worry about travel or anything, but just to yell at that guy who's already been capped, just be like, hey, come over here onto this field. And he didn't play anyway. So uh, why was everybody freaking out? I don't think it's a problem. I think Ryan Mason's a much more viable option than Townsend would be. Even <laughs> no arguments than, here. Than Dele Alli would have been, even though he was started, well, did he, he started the game and scored, so... I don't. I've I've got no issue issue with with Mason at all. Um, I feel that the I think the tournament on the whole, if you if you're looking at teams that you want to avoid playing, um, if if you look at it, we could meet Italy, Czech Republic, and Wales. Do you know what I mean? That'd be a tough group, or or, or even you know we could be in a group with Russia, Sweden, um. Turkey, I, I don't think there is a poor team as such in in the whole tournament. Who, it's because Netherlands the, didn't make it. <laughs> poor, poor, poor buggers. I mean, they had all the talent to get there, really. But I mean, you, you know what? It's refreshing to have a few teams in there that don't usually get there. It'd be great to see Iceland there, and you know, it'd be it's going to be super to have Wales there. Um, I just, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm hoping indeed. that. Tyler Roberts, a young West Brom player, um, I'm hoping that he gets a bit of a say in the West Brom squad towards the end of the season and, and can hopefully sneak into the Wales squad. There's always a, a bit of a, a surprise selection. Um, I don't know if you know about him, Guto. Uh, he's he's looked brilliant for the youth teams for Wales. It's, yeah. And he's 
he's um he's eligible to play for England as well. So I think the sooner we can get him, I think the... that was the idea around because he trained with the team. I think it was maybe three or four more four months back, and he he didn't get a game for Wales, but he trained with the team, and I think he was brought into you know put an arm around him, and I think you know I I, I see I see no harm in I see no harm in him, him getting a, a chance as long as he's playing for the baggies in the Premier League, which yeah, yeah. I think he's I think he's going to be touching. You know, to be honest, if we didn't have Pulis, he'd be possibly in and around the squad already because he is that good from from what I hear. So, um, so yeah, I'm just looking forward to the, the tournament as a whole. Just to mention as well for ex Baggies players, Altangira. Um, there's a lot of hashtags going around at the minute saying Dare to Zlatan, but my hashtag is Dare to Zoltan because this guy's nearly, I think he's about 37 years old. So many injury problems throughout his career. He's had drugs issues in the past. He's had to fight a lot to be where he is now playing football. He's playing in the top league in Hungary still for Fernsvaros. Um And he he's looks like he's going to be going to the Euros as part of Hungary's, Hungary's team. Um, former Baggies player. And he's an absolute legend around, around these parts. And I, I just wish him luck and hope that um, he and Hungary can do something. Because they're, they're not a bad side themselves. And... We can we we all get to um, we all get to see Gabor Kirali in his pajama bottoms, so that's always a bonus. And that's 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 all I've got to say on on the and on the pajama situation. <laughs> Mark, do you want to jump in there and talk a little England? Uh, well, I'm going to make a confession here. Really, I haven't really watched an England game for a good few years now. Ever since Roy Hodgson's been put in charge of, of the team, I, I just kind of stand the man. I just kind of stand his. Uh, is sort of just mediocrity. And I know that West Ham fans and Fulham fans like him, but uh, I think you ask any Liverpool fan and he, he just wasn't the right fit at the right time, said a lot of things that annoyed a lot of people. And it's just, uh, it's not my cup of tea. Saying that, I I am really looking forward to these Euros. I, um, I'm i going to try my hardest to get over to France because it's just going to be a massive party, especially seeing that now we've got Wales Northern Ireland, Ireland, and England over there, and there's a very good chance that and, England and Scotland this... and Scotland too. It's going to be oh, oh, oh. Sorry. sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we're going to probably have a very good chance that we will face off in the group stages as well as against one of the uh, home nations. So that'll be, it'll be awesome. It'll be really good. And you know, Germany are obviously going to win. We might, might as well just say this now because Germany are just the best. Um, but I think the tournament in itself. Adding these extra teams in and, and whatnot, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be a real good tournament. And um, yeah, I, I really hope that, that like uh, like like you were saying at the start there, Dan. I hope the media don't get all hyped up to say England are going to win because we just know they're not going to win. They're going to get past the group stage and they'll get knocked out in in the sort of the first couple of rounds of the of the knockout stages. It just it just how it is, especially with a manager like Roy Hodgson in charge. But um, I, I think it's going to be a, a really good tournament. I'm going to try my hardest to get over for some part of the of, of the football. Hmm. All right, now that we've gotten England out of the way, we can get to the real stars of the hour here, which is Wales making an appearance at the Euros. How excited are you, Gitto? Uh, it it still hasn't sunk in. We're not used to this. We don't actually know how to how to react. I mean, Panini announced the other day that they were bringing out um, sticker album, it, two, Euro 2016 sticker albums just for Wales. And you saw grown adults just lose their shit completely. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's we we 
you don't know how to react to this at all. Um, but it was it was so weird seeing the final lineup and seeing the pots and people talking about who they'd want and who they'd want to avoid, etc. Um, I, I like like you said, I think uh, any if anybody but Germany wins this tournament, it'll be a bit of a surprise. If anybody but Germany, Spain, and France win it, I think it'll be a big shock. Um, I, I, I don't really see where the other candidates are going to come in. I think it's going to take something very strange for any other team to win it. But No love for Belgium, currently sitting number one in the FIFA rankings that we all know mean so much? We, we took four points off Belgium in qualifying and they couldn't score against us when mm. we had Chris Gunter playing at right back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're not... Um, they're, I think James Collins may have been playing for part of those games as well. So, um, <laughs> so they're not yeah. there yet. Is this Belgium, Belgium are the most just diabolically underachieving team in world football. They really are terrible to watch. Um, they're boring. They're ineffective. They're really bad. Portugal's just a one-man team. Um, you know, if, if if for some reason Ronaldo gets injured or is slightly off form, then they're screwed. They're not getting past the group stages. Um, yeah, I, and, uh, yeah, I think you, most people want to be in Portugal's group, right? Of, of those big pot one guys. Yeah, I'd, I'd want Portugal. Um, out of the top seeds. Um, a lot of people aren't talking about Austria and Pot 2. They've been amazing in qualifying. I mean, they've got they've got David Alaba, but they've got other really good players. They're, they they could be dark horses to go far in the competition. Um, apart from that, we're, we're just happy to be there. If, if I had a preference for groups, I'd want Portugal, possibly Croatia from Pot 2. They're not doing brilliantly anymore. And definitely Hungary from Pot 2. Slovakia. I think you want to avoid Iceland as well, Sigitsu, Siggy. Well, yeah. they have to because they're both in pot four. It's Iceland, so we're not going to get Iceland unless it's unless we both teams somehow get through to the knockout stages. Um, I don't want England. I really don't want England. That would be way too much of a distraction. There would definitely be riots out in France. Um, it would it would be a horrible football match. Uh, it would just get the entire world hating both countries and. Uh, <laughs> I'd rather, I'd rather just stay, keep the two of us apart at all costs. I'd, I'd like to. I really hope that we're both playing in opposite ends, opposite ends of the country throughout the tournament. Say England are up in Lille or something like that. We can take Marseille, you know, just to keep us completely apart. I don't. I don't want to see an Englishman throughout the. <laughs> You if know it's going to happen. You just know. Yeah, I, that really I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand it. You can have Northern Ireland. You know, it, they, I'm sure they'd love it. You can both sing the same anthem. It'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's interesting. Would they just play it once? How would that... I think yeah, they do just play it once, don't they? They played each other oh. um, in World Cup qualifying for the 2006 group because we were in the same group as well. And um, yeah, there, there was that famous night in Belfast when Northern Ireland beat England 1-0 with David Healy scoring. I think they only played the anthem once. Um, and, you know, if if, um, if Wales played against England as well, both anthems would just be booed, especially. I mean, no, nobody in Wales could can actually listen to that anthem without booing it. It's just, you know, one, it's, it's England, so we're obviously not going to like it. And two, it's just a terrible anthem anyway. So. It's so no, short. It's so inspiring. It's incredibly short. <laughs> it's immense. It is brilliant. I will say, while we're talking about national anthems, if, if you listen to any other national anthem, specifically anyone from Europe, uh, and then listen to the U.S. national anthem, you're just like, where's the choir or the band? It's just a person 
just riffing away with and that song requires so much range it's so unnecessary i think francis scott key was a little overrated (laughs) i hate watching like american sporting events and before every event you've got this one person that just riffs it out usually like it's terrible usually like an american idol reject or something like and they they just it's their big moment and they just to be fair uh lawrence brownlee who is a operatic superstar and I, i've gotten to see him live a couple times uh, did the last Steelers game and it was the first one in a while where i was just like mm-hmm yeah yeah i'm feeling this but usually yeah it's 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 not it's just not a good anthem it's just not it's just not anyway and anyway so yeah the british anthem is super short as well wait i don't know why i said it as well the american one takes days um, but okay, we're going to move on. Uh, speaking of America, they didn't qualify for the Euros. Uh, also, neither did Netherlands, which we talked Soccer about. Soccer guy confirmed that for you. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you guys heard about that. U.S. shock, shockingly missed the tournament. Um, so in a hypothetical scenario where I have a team in this tournament, and I've had many English people tell me to not pick England, um, I would probably want to stay clear of France. Uh, we avoided talking about anything that's happened on the fantasy show. Again, not really going to talk about it here. Everybody knows what what's happened. If you want information on that, this is obviously not where, what you've come for uh, here. But uh, I think they'll be very bolstered as a home crowd. I think there will be an increased sense of nationalism uh, and pride going on. I just don't want to run into that from a sporting perspective. Uh, Italy have really struggled lately. Uh Obviously, with England, neither of them making it through uh, the groups at the last one. Who was the other team? Because it was, was it Puerto Rico? Costa Rica. It was Costa Rica and... Who was the other team? Costa Rica, Italy, England. Uruguay. 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 Yeah, because everybody was all freaking out about the Suarez stuff. Well, anyway. Ah. uh, Italy just have not been that impressive. But if they ever got that attack going... With Kondreva, who I think is perennially underrated. Balotelli, if he decided to play like he did at the last Euros. El Shirawi, if he continues to decide that he remembers what football is playing up in France. I've always loved Marquisio. The defense, obviously not that great. Uh, I guess Pirlo is just going to keep playing forever. Um, But I wouldn't want to play them. The Czech Republic looked very good against Netherlands in qualifying. But to be fair, the four of us could have looked good against the Dutch in qualifying. Uh, Pot four, probably Turkey is who I'd want to avoid the most. But you don't want to play Wales. Obviously, Bale can do amazing things. Joe Ledley has a great beard. Um, Is it true that Joe Ledley was the first Welshman to score this year that wasn't Baylor Ramsey? Yes, that is true. And he only scored because Joe Allen had a penalty saved. And he followed in on that pen. <laughs> but then we had um, Emma Hughes score for us, um, who's playing, he's on loan at Huddersfield from Wigan. So now we've had two players this year who have scored. So. <laughs> Get in, son. Um, so, yeah, uh, you don't want to play them in case Bale decides to go local crazy. Uh, you don't want to play Iceland because they play incredibly well as a unit. Um I really like what they have going on as well. Sigurdsson decides to play for them when he returns in a week and decides not to play for Swansea. It's the weirdest thing right now that his form literally switches on and off depending on what continent he's on. Not continent. What am I talking about? Countries. I know it's one continent. Whatever. We're going to move on. You Americans. Weirdly defensive. Um, Speaking of international things that I did not know. um, We were looking at uh, our hits. 
for the podcast and we continue to trundle up the millions which just blows our mind that so many of you are listening and thanks for doing so but there's one noticeable entirely white gap where there have been zero listens which means nobody with even a proxy for that country has been listening to us and it is the sovereign country of chad no one (laughs) no one from chad has ever listened to this podcast not even a person pretending to be from Chad. Why does their flag look like the Romanian flag? Why did I ask that when they can't answer? Because it's the only place that doesn't listen. These are all excellent questions. And we proxy from Chad. Yeah, yeah somebody proxy. Yeah, somebody we'll, we'll start proxy proxy proxying through Chad. Because <laughs> y'all look so lonely in just the sea of everybody listening to us. Uh, Chad just not feeling it right now. Uh, fun other statistics for, for listeners. It's about two England listeners to every American listener for this show, but on the fantasy show that comes through the same feed, it's reversed. I don't even know how you've managed that, listeners, but impressive that you have. And now I think it's important to realize that we've all moved on past me saying that England and Europe were different continents. All right, so now we are going to quickly move on to Player Watch, where we're just going to quickly talk about who the best fantasy option is at your club this weekend. Dan, I'm not going to make you say the word Berahinia. The best fantasy option for anyone picking from the baggies this weekend would be Berahina. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It, I didn't it, mean it's to. just a fact, isn't it, though, really? I think. Where, that, where's Gnabry? Gnabry? Gnabry. Where's that he guy? Can't, he can't play against his parent club anyway, but that guy is um, probably not as good as people thought he would mm. be. But that's probably due to Pudis preferring players okay. that work very, very hard. Mm. As he says, I would try and do his southern slash Welsh accent <laughs> and stay very, very hard. But I'm not going to ruin ruin a night for Alistair. <laughs> I just think I, I just think that um, I just think that he's he's one of those players that is a slight luxury for a club like ours, and in the more. Uh, in the games where you, you want a battler, he's, he's probably not the best option. However, he has undoubted talent and you, you know, you don't play for any German side at any level if, if you're, you're not very good. And, uh, you know, the, the fact that he's not been playing any minutes really for the baggies and still getting in the under 21s for Germany just says how good he is of a player. Um, it would be great if he could do something good between now and the end of the season. Um, but like I can say my tip for, for getting a grabbing a goal this weekend would be Berahino because he's he's possibly you know impressing one of his potential suitors. Um, if you're looking to include a Swansea player in your fantasy teams, just don't don't. Can't. <laughs> but it's we against can't. Bournemouth. It's so tempting. I, I, yeah, but we we can't score. We can't. We we keep making mistakes at the back. I just wouldn't. I've been telling the p- people to pick up Key this week because I think he's been getting a lot more minutes, and it was a crucial part of your success last season. Your thoughts? He he was, but he was brilliant last season. But he's playing very differently. He's not making the runs into the box that he was last season. He, last season he got a lot of goals just by making making these late dashes into the box. So a cross would come in, and whoa, there's Key. He, you know, nobody was picking him up, and then he he get the goal. Um, he's he's staying very very deep. Um, he's not taking any kind of attacking responsibility. He's just focusing on doing his duties as a holding midfielder. Um, and and it's one of the problems that we've got really is that he isn't getting into scoring positions. He's not shooting at all. Um, so yeah, I I wouldn't put Key in the team. Um, 
I wouldn't put Gomez in. He doesn't look like scoring anytime soon. Um, and, and like I said, we keep making mistakes at the back, so clean sheets aren't really likely. Um, are you some somebody? He's gone quiet. Are you? He's he's staying out on the wing. He's not. We're not bringing him into play as often. I I don't know. I think if I think if you're putting a Swansea player in your team this week, you're taking a big risk. And I think you're just better off looking at other clubs. If I'm honest. Harsh but fair words from Gitto there. Uh, Mark, for Liverpool, please don't say Coutinho. There's only one player this week that you could really put in your team, and that's Phil Coutinho. Uh, <laughs> and I'll tell you for why. He's got three goals in two games. He, uh, he loves a goal against Man City. Um, and he's only been selected by 17.5% of the league, so he is a, is a wee bit of a, a differential there. So uh, he's only 82 uh, he's going to rise rise in price tonight. Uh, so I would get on this guy while you can. And the best bit is he's just had two weeks off because he wasn't selected for Brazil. He's been on Melwood for the last two weeks. Mm. So he's going to be nice and fresh against a Man City team. Um, and he, 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 he is... Klopp has basically put him as our main focal point. Uh, everything comes through him. He's He's not doing aimless shots from outside the box. As much as he was under Rodgers, he's getting in the box and he's being a lot more clinical. Three goals in two games, you know, you can't really argue with that. Yeah, he ruined my uh, statistic about him never following up a good match with another good match. Uh, just absolutely ruining it. Deciding <laughs> to score in consecutive matches like a jerk. Uh, I don't love th- that his goals come from far out, but, you know, they go in every now and again. Obviously, well, the last three not, goals have been in the box. Well, He's, I think the more important thing here, if, if yeah. I may get Fox Newsy and just shouty to hide my ignorance, um, is Christian Eriksen, man. I slated him the whole first ten minutes of this show. But uh, I think Eriksen plays very well when Tottenham are playing well, and Tottenham are playing well. And with this kind of secret 4-3-3 we've got going at the moment, he's been forced out on the wing. But now with Dembele likely to miss through injury and Lamela set to miss through yellow card accumulation and also injury, um, I think he's going to be playing behind Kane a bit more where we've seen him be so effective in years past. Always a threat from set pieces, obviously. Uh, so yeah, I think Eriksen is probably the way to go this week just because West Ham, sure, their attack hasn't been incredible. Uh, since the departure of Dimitri Payet, I still think they pose a threat and will probably score at least one, just because Tottenham's defense loves to just ruin clean sheet bonuses, but contain continue to only let people score one ever. Um, still, I think the fourth best defensive record in the league. So yeah, I'm, I'm going Christian Eriksen this week instead of Phil Coutinho because of uh, outdated info and incorrect information on where Coutinho's shots are coming from. So you know, with, with Eriksen as well, he's yeah. I think he's in the top four. For players creating chances, it's just yeah. now that he's Kane top ten scoring. In a, I know, it's, yeah. he's top ten in assists and chances created and missed a month. Yeah, well, it's just because now Kane is scoring that Ericsson will start getting the points. Yep. I am looking to try and force him into my team in in, in some way, but I think him and uh, well, I'm going to bring in Kane this weekend. Uh, I've got my I had my two free transfers saved up for the international break, and luckily there hasn't been as many injuries as there was in the last international break. So yeah, I can... most people escaped unscathed, with Vardy mm. uh, likely to play. As a little tidbit for people listening. To well, this. he's going for the record in this weekend. Yeah. Now. Is that right? Is yeah. he? Is, and he's playing against who? Uh, Newcastle. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, Newcastle, who are not resoundingly strong at the back. Yeah, either. he's my captain, definitely. Yeah, definitely a solid shout there. Uh, wow, we're running very quickly out of time. So, in match previews, just tell me if you're going to win or not. Dan? We are going to lose. Sad, but okay. Good tell. We're going to win, I hope, but that would just be because Bournemouth aren't very good. Correct. <laughs> Mark? Uh, we are going to draw 2-2 because that is just what we do with, uh, with, with Man City. A club draw? <gasps> no. Um, no. Uh, uh, probably not going to be too far off that. I'm going to say 2-1 Spurs because I love Tottenham, but a 1-1 would be far from surprising. All right, and so with that, we are out of time. So if you have any projects you'd like to plug or want to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time. Um, no, no projects. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. <laughs> uh, the latest Jackass podcast is out now at the Jackass. If you want to find that. Um, no, I haven't got any any projects on. If you want to tell me I'm wrong, uh, you can uh, go on Twitter and it's at Mister Mark Simpson. But thanks for having us on. Yeah, of course, at Kevroff on Twitter. The podcast is at EPL Roundtable. Email us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. You can find my writings over at blog.playtalker.com and theeaglesbeak.com where I'll have an article tomorrow on price points. And I'm talking very quickly because we are very quickly running out of time. So thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.